Welcome to Reiki Cafe Radio, where your host, Christine Renee and Bruce Taylor. We come together with more than 35 years of experience in Reiki, meditation, chakra knowledge, and holistic healing. We are passionate about helping individuals release resistance, step into their authentic selves, and align their lives with the truth of who they are. Reiki Cafe Radio is your choice for vibrant Reiki conversations, meditation experiences, and holistic wellness. This is your space for a deeper look into the ancient wisdom through modern eyes. So grab your tea or coffee and join us as we sip our way through this week's episode. Hello, 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 and welcome to Reiki Cafe Radio. Um, I am joined with Bruce Taylor, and today's topic, we're going to be speaking on your scope of practice and really what's appropriate feedback. That's a huge topic to it, dive into as practitioners, for sure. You know, between the both of us, we have probably have 35 years of experience combined, and this is one of, I probably both of our, <laughs> one of our biggest pet peeves. <laughs> and so we wanted to come on and tell you why, and what's yeah. appropriate and what's not, and why we believe how things should be shared and what should be shared is so important to your practice and your integrity of practice and mm-hmm. doing your work honestly and all of those things. And so um, I just want to start off by saying, you know, like this isn't to say that you've been doing your practice wrong. It's more about showing you that there's another way to empower your clients to put the pieces together rather than uh, the practitioner, the the one who's offering the Reiki to to do some of that work like if we give it to the clients yeah to guide the experience with the results or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah and so you know for for me personally like when I see scope of practice my job when I have my role on as a Reiki practitioner my job is to offer Reiki sessions not me as a coach not me as a consultant not me as a teacher. Not you as a therapist. Not you as a not therapist. Us as, we're not therapists unless you have a degree in therapy and you're a trained psychotherapist or a psychologist. Remember, you are not that. And you're not a nutritionalist. Yeah. <laughs> we should not be talking about nutrition. No. You know, so remembering like what is that scope? What is included in your scope of practice? Do you want to kind of dive in like what should be included in this container of what a Reiki session is? Yeah. And, and I think. You know, one thing that we all are very quick to forget are these guiding precepts of Reiki. Like, remember, it's just for today. I will not worry. I will not anger. I will be kind to all living beings. I will be grateful and I will do my work honestly. So as soon as we start to give that guidance or start to interject or transfer our own beliefs or narratives onto our clients, we're breaking literally every one of those precepts. And I think it's it's incredible how quickly we can forget these things, right? Um, and so, you know, the way that I do this uh, with a client is, of course, people are going to want feedback after a session. They're going to want to know kind of how it worked or if I felt anything. So, for instance, if somebody asks me, oh, Bruce, what did you feel in that session? Then I'll say something like, you know, I try to stay detached or, you know, I didn't feel I didn't, wouldn't even say I didn't feel because I'm just say I tried to stay detached. But what did you feel? How did it go for you? And then somebody will bring up, maybe saw some colors, saw this, saw that. And then my goal is to then respond factually. But then again, how does that resonate with you? That's, you that's the key phrase. How does that resonate with you? And we're constantly putting back whatever feedback onto the client to go, does it resonate? 
Does it fit into your story, your psychology, your things going on in your head? Mm-hmm. And does it, does it work? If not throw it away, you know? And so this is really where, you know, we have to stay true to our ourselves and our own practice. And for me, you know, I get, I get a lot of stuff. If you guys have ever joined us for one of our Reiki circles, I see things, I hear things, That's I might so move in a different way that than you would see in a traditional Reiki session. And all of that is fine, but it's how you offer the feedback that is super key and important. Mm-hmm. So for example, if I see, um, if I see something, I'm not going to try to figure out how it relates to them or their story. I'm going to let the client do that. So For example, I had a client who was pregnant and she came in wearing hipster clothing and some army boots and I didn't know her story. And I was just giving her Reiki, like as a normal pregnancy session, I have a lot of pregnant clients because of my past history as a student midwife and a Reiki practitioner. And Mm -hmm. so those are kind of like common, common clientele. And so she got on the table and I was seeing a ballerina and like Swan Lake guarding angel type energy. And I go, So at at the end of the session, you know, like I was like, well, this is what I noticed. I saw um, ballerina in a swan lake like dress, very like comforting. What what does that mean to you? Does that resonate with you? And she's like, oh, I'm actually a professional ballet dancer. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so I go, what does that mean to you? How does that relate to where you are today? And so she then had a big story about being in the swan lake energy as preparatory for her birth and labor and all of these things. And like, she made the story. I didn't need to. So I'm going to give the, I'm going to take whatever puzzle pieces yeah, show up absolutely. and give the puzzle pieces to the client to let them connect the pieces together. Does that make that, does that make sense? Let us know. Um, feel free to reach out and Reiki cafe community to see how this resonates with you. Like, what do you notice? I love that puzzle piece analogy as well. Quite often when I'm actually with all of my clients, I describe when they've come to the first session. So, you know, like I would say maybe, oh, I saw this in the example that Christine's saying here. Yeah, it's weird. I saw this ballerina. I had this. Does that resonate with you? Maybe yes, maybe no. And then, but regardless of the response from the client, then I'm like, please write all of your experiences down. You saw this, you felt that, you, you heard this, this resonated like that or whatever. Because with more sessions, then it's like the way I describe it. And I think Christine's saying it very similar as well, which is really beautiful it's like you're throwing a puzzle piece on the wall. You don't necessarily know where each session's puzzle piece is going to land. But then after, you know, five, 10 sessions or whatever, the more puzzle pieces that are on that wall, then the more the client is going to be able to see the mosaic that is their own journey of healing. Because the thing that they saw, maybe the ballerina meant nothing. But 10 sessions later, it might be like, oh my God, that's actually a doll that I found a safe space with or whatever. I'm not trying to draw away from, yeah. from Christine, but it could have all these different meanings. Who are we to say what that meaning is? Right. You know, it's just like when you have, um, if like for me and my shamanic work, like I might see things, but it doesn't mean shit unless it makes sense to the clients yeah. and it should be their interpretation. Like if, uh, let's say a bear means something very specific to them, then their interpretation is way higher priority and understanding than what the practitioner's understanding of that symbol would be. And so, you know, on that note too, like one of a a great way to kind of turn things over to your client for their interpretation is if they're going to come in regularly, have a, a notebook of paper for them. Keep a file folder where it's like they journal before their session, they journal after their session. It doesn't have to be about what 
we think their intentions are. We don't even need to know their intentions. Like Absolutely. We don't need to know their story, their background. We don't need to have any type of connection on those things because it's then going to potentially put a bias into our minds. And then ego shows and then up. There we go. <laughs> and we've got those difficulties. Yeah. I think one of the things with, you know, remember the precept of just for today, I will do my work honestly. The example mm-hmm. that Christine just gave about a bear coming forward. I think it's very appropriate to say these are the kind of factual representations of a bear. Like traditionally, this is what a bear means in shamanic practices or whatever. But again, does that resonate with you? Exactly. Right. And if it doesn't, then the, the issue is like, don't keep pushing the idea. Yeah. Don't try to find a meaning because maybe the bear was coming for you right. and not for them. Who are we to say, yeah. you know, where that image or that idea or that feedback, who it's meant for, because in a full Reiki session, we're not just holding space for the client, but in order to hold proper space, we have to hold space for ourselves as well. Exactly. And so this is why I think it's super, 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 super important to have a self-care Reiki practice, Mm -hmm. a daily Reiki practice, part of diving deep and doing your own subconscious healing work, the, you know, learning what your limiting beliefs are, learning your own junk from your own past history. All of that is so key and important is so that you can recognize in a Reiki session, if something comes up, is it from, from you or is it from your client? And if we haven't done that work previously, you could be seeing bear and bears showing up for the Reiki mm-hmm. practitioner, not the client. And because while we are offering Reiki, we are receiving Reiki. Mm-hmm. We're doing healing work on ourselves. And that's one of the reasons why I love Reiki so much is like, yeah, I can go do five, six hours of Reiki in a day and I feel amazing, but I need to know what, what guides, what spirits, what communication are coming through for me versus my clients. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have that awareness. It comes down to awareness until you've done your own internal healing work. So especially if you just started practicing, like that's why you can if, and go start. Like I, this isn't about like holding back. Reiki needs to be out in the world. Reiki absolutely, practitioners need absolutely. to be doing the things, but then it's, it's asking like, okay, this is what I got. Does that resonate with you? And if it's like, if you see it, you can ask the, the animal, like if it's a spirit guide, whatever it may be, are you here for me or the client? <laughs> you would just ask. Mm-hmm. And there are such things as universal healer animals and universal healing spirit guides. And they're just there because healing is happening. Like think archangels, like Archangel Raphael show up. Or is he here for me or is he here for the client? Like it's totally, it's totally it's, possible. It's to- and it's totally just the moment of the practice. Yeah. Like, you know, just being fully a, a, available in that moment of practice without the need even for that narrative. So if you have this story coming, you might even just ask. Are you here for me or for the client? Even from my perspective with the Japanese background, it might just be like, okay, you're here. So that's it. And just surrender fully again and again and again and just stay neutral in practice, right? It's, it's the overarching discussion here is don't interject your narrative into the healing session because that is ripe with ego and it will always, and I, you, you can never say always, but of course, anytime that I'm interjecting my own beliefs or narratives, like, If Christine and I were working together, she's on her own journey and I'm on my own journey. So if I try to interject and pull her into my story or whatever, that's automatically going to create friction. Right. Right. And resistance and all these other types of things that we don't need. We have to recognize that each of us are on our own, are on our own divine journey of healing and that the role of a practitioner is to support and hold space. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of when we were teaching our Reiki masters class yesterday one of the things that came up was 
that um, really kind of getting into the space of when you have a client, knowing when, knowing when it's like what really actually needs to come through. Mm. And it's okay to just be like, there, there should, the goal shouldn't be to get a story. <laughs> like there's so many uh, practitioners and I was guilty of this for a while. Like I wasn't successful, quote unquote, successful in the session, unless I had like a shamanic journey or a story to tell them. And it's like, that isn't what it's about. Right. It's not what it's about. And oftentimes as an empath, like many times, I'm sure many listeners are, who are hearing this, are empathetic. And so when they, the client walks in the door, you already know a lot of their story. Um, you already know energetically where they're at. Or visually where they're at. You can see how people carry themselves. Of course, that story is there. Exactly. There's so many ways to just interpret that right away. Exactly. And so I kind of like plug my ears and I'm going, la, la, la. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to see yeah. it. Because once I, my analytical mind, this is that part of the third eye, that is that brain activity. They're taking that, okay, my intuition says that they dress this way, so they must have these issues. Or I know what their background is a criminal lawyer, so they must have this baggage. Like if once I start getting into that dialogue and bringing that into the session, I'm doing a disservice because my ego is trying to fix something Mm -hmm. and my job as a Reiki practitioner, my scope of practice isn't to fix something. It's to hold space for whatever, you know, body, mind, spirit, mental, emotional, spiritual health, like whatever needs to heal, transform, transmute that it can take place. But if I have ego getting in the way and I have a story that like, Oh, they're a criminal lawyer. Therefore they need to have, this underlying trauma healed we're getting away from getting right in the way of their own journey right you know absolutely and that's the it's the idea here like i would imagine many of you who are listening will immediately be like well i don't do that and that's great Mm -hmm. but really make sure that you don't do that because like christine just said that she was doing that right and early in your i definitely was Early in my practice, I thought I was doing, I thought I was helping, I thought I was moving, I thought I was interpreting, I was giving all types of guidance and all, none of that is necessary. So, you know, ask yourself repetitively, are you doing any of these things? Is there any space that any of this might be coming up? Because it's really a way to keep our ego in check, right? right? So that the person can have a free journey and a free exploration of their own healing journey. When they come to you with their own signposts and responses from the session or whatever, I don't think there's anything wrong with helping give a factual discussion, right? but so not that, an emotional discussion. Right. And so that might look like, okay, so I noticed that I spent a lot of time on the solar plexus area and here are the facts about yeah, solar absolutely. plexus. Does that resonate? And then they'll have a story along with it. And then it will be like, well, here are some activating actions that you can do to help support your solar plexus mm-hmm. in the days to come between our sessions. That's appropriate, but I'm not like interjecting a story along with it. I'm like, they're resonating with, mm-hmm. okay, solar plexus has to need some work, whether that's go, go take our shamanic or chakra yeah. courses. If you really want to dive in, I can't, I'm not going to get into it right now, but um, you can start, you can notice as a practitioner, I spent a lot of time in this area. Does that resonate mm-hmm. and give the factual information for that? So whether it's, you know, let's say I'm working on their left ankle what does that mean? Metaphysical anatomy and physiology. If you know that information, you can share it. Be like, 
energetically speaking, this is what typically is Mm -hmm. held here in the left ankle. Does that resonate with you? And then, and then you can start tying it into activities that they can do to like activate them between sessions. What you have to be careful about too. And a lot of practitioners do this and they get really hung up on this is that that typical end of session, which I think for Bruce and I both is typically anywhere between five, 10 minutes. Yeah. Maximum. We're not talking longer than that. Absolutely not. Right. And I know a lot of practitioners that they're spending half an hour, 30 minutes, an hour into it, journal it, everything like, you know, interpret. There's no point. There's no need. And that like hour long post session session, um, one it's ego comes into play. It's like my ego says, I want to help you so bad. Like here are all of the things that you need to do. And like, let's talk about your past history. You're not a counselor. Mm-hmm. And so there are two, a couple of things are happening there. One, your ego is saying, I want to help so much that I can't get out of the way. And you're, I mean, as an empath, you're going to take on their stuff. It's just going to happen. And then two, you are disrespecting the client's time. And I, I, it annoys me when I go to a session, it's supposed to be an hour long and they take two hours. I'm going to be late for something else. It's, yeah, absolutely. And, right? the, and by, and reflexively, then you're not honoring your own time as a professional. You're not honoring your own, you know, this is a one hour session. So I was saying this in the master training that we bet Christine was alluding to just yesterday as well. If the session is 45 minutes. It stops at 45 minutes mm-hmm. or as best as you can. Otherwise beyond that, you're actually not doing your job, honestly, because you told somebody it's 45 minutes, but now it's 55 minutes. Well, that's right. Okay. You know, yeah. keep these things in mind. Well, and you're, I mean, if they need to process and they need to talk and you're not doing anything other than like, look, I am not a counselor, but I can hold space, but I need a charge for the time mm-hmm. to do that. That like, there's some wiggle room there a little bit. As long as you know your scope of practice, you're not giving them advice outside of your scope of practice. If you are a mixed modality practitioner, if you're doing acunect or acupuncture or, you know, massage or whatever else, and you have other areas of expertise and you want to add on a 30 minute chat on the end of your session and you're charging for that and you're staying within your scope of practice, knock yourself out, go for it. Awesome. <laughs> and speaking to that, and that's a, that's a great point because like for me, for instance, I've got, I'm a yoga teacher and not just from the training. I've been practicing yoga all of my life because that's another discussion. Like in 30 days, you can somehow be a yoga teacher. This is, that's not depth of knowledge, right? So if you feel comfortable, remember doing your job honestly. So when you're holding space for it to help somebody interpret their own system or their own feedback or their own experience in the Reiki session, it's not about like, oh, the heart chakra is green. Cause I know that little bit or whatever it's how, how specific are you able to make this? And the more specific, like Christine was saying, the left ankle is this and this and this from a, maybe a Chinese medicine perspective or a metaphysical perspective. These are the things that it holistically represents. These are the meridians that run through it, right? This is the connection to the root chakra, or you felt it in that one spot because maybe it's the gallbladder meridian or whatever. The more of that, that you can understand again, factually, not interpretively and not emotionally, but factually, then the more refined the individual's experience might be able to come because they can then internalize that even more. So otherwise you're just almost giving a horoscope, right? You know, like such a vague interpretation that they can just be all over the place. And for me as a teacher as well, that's super important to, but then again, it's like, here's what it means on the physiological, spiritual, and emotional levels. 
from an accepted like Chinese medicine or meditation background or whatever, does that resonate with you? Right. And if it doesn't, then who cares? Fine. Let it go. Don't worry about it. Don't dwell on it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's why at the Reiki Cafe University, we have courses that dive in Absolutely, deep. Yeah. You know, it's not like so you we're can get an understanding. You, we want to bring your education level beyond the basic Reiki level one and level two, and even the masters. Like we want to give this exceptional depth to your education so that you can be an exceptional Reiki practitioner. So if you are interested in learning more about the chakras, we do have the chakra clairvoyant coaching certification. You know, fall semester is going to be specifically on the shamanic Reiki practitioner training. We're going to be launching a Reiki membership program with Bruce that is really going to bring depth to the traditional Reiki education. Um, we have so many things coming up. So if this is something that you are interested in, you want to be adding to your practice, adding to the understanding of some of these conceptual things mm -hmm. that will give depth to your practice and a way to like hold space and for an your honesty to it because you're continuing to, to learn like mm -hmm. in a month and a couple of weeks, I'm sitting a master training yet again. It's all about continual learning so that we can continually refine so that we can get out of the way, you know, yeah. and the more you understand, and this is super important, the more that you understand a practice from a deep uh, kind of factual perspective, then it actually gives the ego comfort so the ego can actually surrender. That's the idea. Exactly. You set such a strong understanding and framework. Just like everybody who's listening, you're a professional in something. Maybe it's Reiki, maybe it's something else, whatever. When you walk into what you are professionally, then you can just do it. There is no ego. There's no worry. There's no need to interpretation because you know what you're doing. And we, and in order to do that, you have to constantly study, constantly practice, constantly stay sharp. And so what I've noticed is that Bruce, he constantly is studying Reiki. He's constantly diving into more Reiki master's training, which is beautiful, which is why he's the primary Reiki teacher for our level one, level two and master's class. And when I look at continuing education, it's like, I want to learn about neuro-linguistic programming, mm -hmm. NLP. I want to, I want to dive into timeline techniques and EFT. and like some of these other conceptual things where I can support my clients beyond the Reiki session. Like how can I bring depth to the Reiki session? How can I talk in the beginning and talk at the end and keep the container where Reiki is happening in the middle but there's more to it than just a Reiki session. So now I'm wearing multiple hats. I'm mm -hmm. mixing modalities. And in that space, I'm also staying within my scope of practice of all of the modalities that I'm certified in. Right. And, and so which we know, right? which, which we, know. we know enough to, to speak about. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I hope that kind of gives you some things to think about. Um, noticing where ego is coming into play in your Reiki sessions, if at all, noticing how you're giving feedback, if mm -hmm. you're giving them a story, um, but really trust and believe that Reiki does the work. Mm -hmm. It, it knows what to do. You can just trust your hands that it's going to heal whatever level is needed and you can just get out of the just way. Just get out of the way. I'm just, just get out of the way. Giving you permission, <laughs> get out of the way and let Absolutely. the Reiki do Reiki. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Thank you, everybody, for Thank joining. I hope you. you found this enlightening and, and supportive on your own Reiki practice and your holistic wellness journey, as always. Thank you. All right. Take care. And until next time. Bye. Reiki Cafe Radio is sponsored by Reiki Cafe University, where your Reiki dreams become reality. 
Join us on Instagram or Facebook at Reiki Cafe University. Watch our videos on YouTube or visit the website to learn more about our colleges of Reiki, chakras, and business. It is our aim to help you on your path to wellness, guiding you into confidence, transmute your inner critic, say yes to you. Your path to abundance, wellness, and health unfolds from here. And love and light, Christine Renee. And... Bruce Taylor.